Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. <clears throat> Rocking through Solomon's journal and how he looks out at life and sees life and uh, can be depressing at times, but it can be hopeful at times. But that's how life is, and so it's a very realistic view of life. Do you ever get the feeling that life is a violin solo and you're wearing mittens? Or some days life seems like a racetrack and you're driving a tank? You just can't get through, and you can't get through very quickly. You know, we call life the rat race, and the rat race is an endless, self-defeating, pointless pursuit. That's kind of how Solomon looks at life. The phrase equates humans to rats attempting to earn a reward such as cheese, and it's in vain. We race to get there, we find out it's not there, or it's not at all what we expected. And so Solomon gives us this view of life and how it's so crazy and so busy and and how we can we fly through it and we don't enjoy it. So he's called us many times to just stop and enjoy life in whatever season that we're in. There's a couple different ways, if you think about it, to view life. One of those is optimism. Those rose-colored glasses. We convince ourselves that we live on Fantasy Island. The skies are always cloudless. They're surrounded by oceans of love. And there's butterflies and birds all over the place. But the problem with optimism is it lacks reality. We become disillusioned, and so that smile turns into a sneer. We think everything should be great and wonderful, and then when it's not, we find ourselves not living in reality. The opposite of optimism is pessimism. If something bad can happen, the pessimist is convinced that it will. The problem is there's a lack of joy. If we live in this state of life and it's always pessimistic and everything's awful and horrible, there is no good at all, it saps the joy from our life. Another way we can view life or live life is under suspicion. This kind of borders on the neurotic. Everyone is out to get you. The world is full of liars, cheats, crooks, and perverts, so you better watch out. It becomes paranoid. We become defensive. The problem with living a suspicious life is we lack trust. We don't trust anyone or anything or any situation. We don't even trust what we see with our eyes and what we hear with our ears. And so this view of life, suspicion, we don't trust. And we live in this place where it's just very hard to be. The fourth kind of view of life is fatalism. Fatalism is this. You bite your lip and you endure it until the end. You stay uninvolved. Everything is going to uh, uh, die. Everything is going to come to an end. And so what we do is everything is, is going to crash down. So we might as well just uh, endure it and we just get through it. But the problem is this. It's a lack of hope. If we live with this sense of fatalism, why look forward to tomorrow? Why look forward to next week? And so we have this view of life that doesn't have much hope. Now Solomon, what he gives us, he doesn't give us an optimistic view of life as we've read. He sometimes gives us a pessimistic view of life. Not so much suspicion or fatalism, but what he does is he gives us an objective view of life. He gives us a realistic view of life, how things are really are. And when we see things for how they really are, we will find joy and we will find trust and we will see it realistically. And so only God can do that, Solomon says. And so through his inspired writings, he sees the totality of our existence and why it's important for us to view life in certain ways. And so what Solomon does now in the section of Ecclesiastes that we're in is he's going to give us this objective view of the rat race. He's going to help us as we go through life 
And as we uh, struggle with those things and we get up in the morning, we say, Lord, why is this? Uh, do I have to live another day or do another day or do the same old things today? And so Solomon is going to give us some help along the way. So there's nine things we're going to uh, walk through to help us in the rat race. Because if you ever feel like you are that hamster on the wheel that just keeps going and it's never going to stop and it's never going to end. These are some things for us to remember. Starting in chapter 9, in verse 1, Solomon says this, So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so it is with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so it is with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. First thing Solomon tells us is everyone dies, (laughs) but it's better to be alive. That's what he says. He says the only thing that's certain is everyone dies, but it's still better to be alive. He says there's still this life that's happening under the sun. There's this awareness and there's this hope and there's this, this share of what's going in. And so Solomon says that the, it's the living who have what? Have this hope, have this life, have this thing that we, we get to enjoy. And so he said there is, a, there is a beauty in life and we need to see it. We don't be, we're not pessimists. Uh, all the time, but there's joy and there's beauty that God has created. And so Solomon says there's this an awareness and there is what? There's hope. There's a share of what's going on. And he says in verse 6 that there is, uh, there is love, their love and their hate, they've, they've long since vanished. And so there's a beauty in being part of what's happening under the sun. In Genesis 2, 7, the Bible says that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We are living beings. So with all the stuff that happens in life, Solomon, first of all, says in this rat race, it is still better to be alive. Now listen, we know about to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Don't make more out of this than what Solomon is saying. All he's saying is this. While we're alive on planet Earth, we can enjoy the things that are on planet Earth. Once you're dead, you don't enjoy the things on planet Earth anymore. So Solomon says, everybody dies. Saint and sinner, the good and the bad. But he says, it's better to be alive because then we have hope. Then we can know others and we can live in this life. The second thing that he tells us is while we're alive, we are to live life joyfully. Look what he says in verse 7. Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. you got to love Solomon. He's like, enjoy this, enjoy this, enjoy this in this meaningless life. What's he saying? There are still things to enjoy in this meaningless life. And if I'm not finding those things to enjoy, I may be looking in the wrong 
spot. He says, under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life. And in your toils and labor under the sun, whatever your right hand finds to do, do with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge or wisdom. So what Solomon says is, live life joyfully. He says, put on the white clothes. What do white clothes do in the culture where Solomon grew up? They reflect the sun's heat. They keep me cool. They protect me. And oil is the symbol for joy. And so Solomon says, live in such a way that it, that it reflects the, the harshness of life, but also find joy in your life. What if we collected experiences more than possessions? What if in our life we accumulated more experiences than possessions? What if we live in a smaller house so we could travel more? What if we refuse a promotion so that we could spend more time with people and serving other people in the name of Jesus? What if we did, what if we collected experiences instead of possessions? We would live life joyfully. We would have this life that Solomon is talking about. What does he say? He says, eat your food, drink your wine with gladness. You know what that doesn't mean? It doesn't mean you're eating a Swanson TV dinner by yourself in front of the TV while you're watching Jeopardy. It means you're enjoying people. You have those relationships in your life. It's the joy and the celebration that's the experience. I think we've forgotten to celebrate as, as believers sometimes. All we're doing is biting our lip until we get to the end. And God's like, no, I've given you this life. Celebrate. Get with some folks. Laugh. Uh, laughter, Solomon talked about, right? We do those things. But we uh, eat our food so fast. It's only in, our cult, in America where we invented the drive through We don't even have to stop to eat. You know, if you go to other countries, this is the beauty of traveling. Meals are an experience. You're there for hours. And you're, why? Because you're talking. And you are, it's more than just the eating. It's enjoying what you have. And it's enjoying those around you. And so we, we go through life so fast, and Solomon says you need to live life joyfully. Enjoy it. Live by the motto, it won't matter 100 years from now. You know the things that we get so upset about today, 100 years from now, it isn't going to matter. In fact, what Solomon says is, after you breathe your last breath, it isn't going to matter then either. And we get so worked up, we get so tied up in knots about things today. Think about the things you were worried last year at this time. Think about Labor Day weekend last year. The things you were worried about, you're probably not worried about today. You're worried about new stuff today. Why? Because that stuff either has passed or didn't come to fruition. And so Solomon says, live your life joyfully. Don't live in tomorrow. Don't live in yesterday, but live in today. So he gives us this helpful view of the rat race is to live life joyfully. And if you're, if you're finding that life, the joy is sucked out of your life, you need to evaluate your life. What am I doing? Where's my focus? Am I, am I finding time to celebrate? Am I doing the things that Solomon says, enjoy life? It's up to me. It's not up to somebody else. Listen, my enjoyment is not in the hands of someone else. We have given away far too much power in our lives to other people, that they are the ones who control our emotions. They're the ones who make our happiness. They're the ones who make our joy. The Bible says what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not you. It's not my family. It's not my coworkers. It's the Lord who's my strength. So live life joyfully. Here's another thing he tells us in the rat race. Success is not 
what you think it is. Part of the reason we're in this rat race is because we're trying to get ahead. We want to get the raise. We want to get the promotion. We want to get the next degree. We want to get the better spot on the team. We want to do all these things. And Solomon says, no, wait a minute. Success isn't always what you think it is. He says in verse 11, I've seen something else under the sun. And look what he sees. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times. They fall unexpectedly upon them. Solomon says this, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few minutes. And so people pursuing the successful life, the way to succeed is to increase the speed, get stronger, be more competitive, plan longer, have this visionary strategy. The race is on. So you've got to get up early, go to bed later, make work a top, a top priority, and everything else will have to wait. And there's no rhyme or reason for success that Solomon says. Have you ever wondered why some people are successful and some people are not? They do the very same things. It's like, why isn't this person successful and why is this person successful? Here's why. Time and chance. You've heard about being in the right place at the right time. That is so very true in life. You're just in the right place at the right time. And so that's what Solomon says. He says, he gives five negatives. He says, it's not to the swift. It's not to the strong. It's not to the wise. It's not to the brilliant. It's not to the learned. Why doesn't it work? He says in verse 11, time and chance happen to us all. It it just does. The life works out in, in different ways. Time and chance, what Solomon is saying is that things are out of our control and they just really are. Jim Thorpe was a Native American. He was the most incredible athlete of his day. In fact, the King of Sweden awarded him several gold medals. As a recipient of Olympic medals, he was acclaimed the greatest athlete of all time until it was discovered that he had played baseball for $5 a season. For this man, literally, the race did not go to the swift. As the Olympics are an event or were an event for amateurs and not professional paid athletes, his medals were taken away, and it wasn't until after his death that they were returned to his family. You see, the race isn't always to the swift. Mother Teresa was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Dozens of bright and brilliant people were overlooked for this prize to find this woman in a poverty-stricken, disease-infested streets of Calcutta. The race is not always to the wealthy. That's what Solomon is saying. You know what success is? You need to write this down. Success is defined by faithfulness. Success is defined by faithfulness. When Jesus comes back... What's he going to, what's the word, what are the words we want to hear from him? Well done, good and faithful. Not well done, good and fast. Not well done, good and strong. Not well done, good and smart. Not well, but well done, good and faithful. You see, it's not the, the success isn't what we think. Success is faithfulness. You do the thing that God's asking you to do no matter what happens. That's what success is. The world would say success is money and prestige and position, but that's not what God says. God says success is your faithfulness. You do what you need to do. Do you know what success is? It's the getting in, not what you get out. It's the showing up. It's going to the job interview regardless of whether I get the job. You see, I will go to the interview and then I don't get the job and I would say what? I'm a failure. 
No, that's not what God says. God says, you went to the interview. You are a success. You showed up and did the thing that you needed to do. You can't guarantee the outcome because why? Time and chance happen to them all. Getting into the battle. I I do the thing. It's not if you win because often if we lose, we say, well, I was a failure. You know what? God says, no, it's the getting in that determined that's that's your success. You do the thing. You try out for American Idol and let Simon Cow rip you to shreds, but that's not the definition of success. Success is that you went in and did the thing. That's success. It's the getting in. Is the, and, our, and our world says, well, it's only if you succeed or fail. That's not what God says. God says it's faithfulness. You get in. Listen, God doesn't call us all to win. He calls us all to at least try to do the thing. Because Solomon says, there, yes, there are some people that win, but there are some people that don't. And success is what? Success is in the doing and the trying. We leave the results up to God. We leave, we leave the results up to whatever. But I have to do the thing. You see, success is not what you think. Success isn't getting the promotion, getting the job, getting the spot on American Idol. But success is I have this thing I'm going to do. And I guess what? I did it. It's the showing up. It's not what's on the other end. Then he tells about the sad story. He gives this illustration that there was this example of wisdom in, in verse 13. He says, uh, this greatly impre- there was a small city with a few people, a powerful king, and there lived in that city a poor but wise man, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But guess what? Nobody remembered him. Because we look to the what? The powerful. We look to the successful. And Solomon says, uh, so I said, wisdom is better than strength. But this poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. You see, the strength is more effective but less impressive than wisdom. And so Solomon gives us a perfect illustration of what he says. He says, according to the world, that this wise man who saved the city, he should have got the honors, he should have got the promotion, he should have got the accolades. And what happens? Nobody remembered him. Just how life works sometimes. It's that rat race that we're in. So how do you define success in your life? How do you look at what is successful in your life? And so God says success is faithfulness. You just show up and you do the thing and you do however that is. In the rat race, we tend to go to this uh, place of least resistance to what, what feels good and what feels comfortable. But success isn't always what we think. Some more things that Solomon tells us. The next one he says is this, a moment of foolishness can ruin a life of achievement. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. Though The right was a symbol that represents that which was worthy of pursuit and effort. But a foolish person goes to the left, that which is not worthy of pursuit and not worthy of effort. They don't learn and they don't listen. And so what Solomon says is the thoughts of the wise will lead him to what's beneficial and valuable. The thoughts of the fool will lead him to what's detrimental. Jesus will separate what? The sheep and the goats. Sheep on the right, goats on the left. That which is worthwhile, that which is honorable, that which is not worthwhile on the left. And so Solomon says this, a a, a little bit of foolishness, just like flies can give perfume a bad smell, that little fly gets in there and it stinks up the whole works. Have you ever had a drink outside in the summertime? You got that sweet tea. Those little, those little bees love that sweet tea. You go to take a big gulp and there's a bee in the tea. He's dead. 
little legs up. What do you do with the tea? Throw it away and get a new glass. Why? Because a little bee can ruin a glass of tea. That's what Solomon's saying. A little bit of foolishness can ruin this whole batch of whatever has been going on. In fact, Ecclesiastes 10 in the message says this. Fools on the road have no sense of direction. The way they walk tells the story. There goes a fool again. There's just something about their life. 10 to 20 to 30 years from now, there's an older man or an older woman waiting down the road for you. Do you know who that is? It's you. The future you is waiting for you down the road. And that future you is a composite of everything you are today. Every choice, everything you do, say, and think. So who are you going to run into down the road in future you? Solomon says, live a life of wisdom. And in this rat race, remember, you're going somewhere. You're moving somewhere. So what, which you are you going to run into? Next thing Solomon says is this. Patience is better than the popularity or position. Chapter 10, verse 4. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. Solomon says, I've seen these things in life. And somebody's in a position they shouldn't be in. And somebody's not in the position that perhaps they should be in. But here's what you need to do. Be patient. Verse 4 in chapter 10. Don't fit, uh, quit your job in a fit of rage. Patience is better than trying to get to that position or get to that place. Popularity. Have you ever done something in a fit of rage? Let me rephrase that. When you've done something in a fit of rage... And then sanity has kind of got back into your senses. Have you ever said to yourself, what have I done? (laughs) It felt so good at the moment, didn't it? It felt so good telling that boss off. He or she has been a jerk for years. And I'm so glad I went in there and I slammed the door and I went in the parking lot and I got in my car. I had no place to go because I just quit my job. What have I done? We do that, don't we? Here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, patience is better than popularity or position. Count to ten. Be careful. It's the way between the wise and the foolish. We do things that are foolish, and we end up not knowing where or what we're supposed to do next. And so that's what he says in verse 4. He says a little, uh, he says a little bit of the ruler's anger. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. If you're the calm one in an argument, you know you're in charge of the argument. If you're the one whose voice doesn't get raised in an argument, you're the one controlling the argument. The person who is loud and boisterous thinks they're in control, but they're really out of control because the steam valve has already popped and they're already saying things that they are going to regret. And so Solomon says this, patience patience is is better than popularity or position. And sometimes the position we want is just to get ahead of someone, just to get on top of someone, just to push them down and put them in their place. Solomon says, wait, a little bit of calmness can lay those offenses to rest. The next thing he tells us is this, be sensible. In this rat race of life, he says, be sensible. Now listen to these things that he says in verses 8 to 11. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. 
Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits log may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before its charm, the charmer receives no fee. <laughs> if you've ever seen those snake charmers, the cobra comes out of the thing, right? He's playing his thing, and snap! The cobra bites the guy, and he's dead. He's not going to get his fee. He's not going to get paid. That's what Solomon said. He says, there's just some things in life. Think ahead before the fact. And when we are, we are running in the rat race... What we tend not to do is to think ahead because we feel like we're so far behind. We just need to rush and race and keep on moving. He says, think ahead. He says, be sensible. Here's some actual ways that people have gotten injured. When I was little, I thought plastic bags were parachutes. I jumped off the table and broke my arm. Once it healed, I did it again. (laughs) Or how about this person? Walked head first into a mind your head sign. Not my finest moment. This one says, I climbed a tree when I was about 12. I fell out, broke my left arm. A week or so later, my friends dared me to climb the same tree with my left arm in a cast up to my elbow. I got a branch higher than the first time. I fell out and broke my right arm. Mom wasn't happy about having to take me back to the hospital to get the other arm put in a cast too. Or how about this person? Cutting a cake for a friend's birthday, accidentally dropped the knife, landed in foot. Last one. This person broke my left ankle by tripping over my right foot while running in the house. (laughs) We have those things that happen, right? And those are the kinds of things that Solomon is saying here. You dig a pit, right? You may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall where the snakes are in the cool, you're going to get bit by a snake. What Solomon is saying is this. If you live dangerously, you're going to get hurt. He says, in this rat race, don't make dumb decisions. You know who does this? Young people. They think they're going to live forever. They think they're invincible. You know, there gets to a point in your life when we get some wisdom and we're like, you know what? I don't bounce like I used to. In fact, now I bounce and break. Or I fall and I break. I don't bounce at all. And so here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, be sensible. There's a difference between, um, you know, being adventurous and being foolish. There's a difference between taking a, a risk and just being stupid. And so what Solomon says is this, in this rat race of life, you just be sensible. Because what you do today is going to affect you tomorrow. But I know in the rat race, we want to get ahead. We want to do the thing. And so I'm not thinking about the future. The next thing that Solomon says is our words matter our words now. Look what he says in verse 12. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? Solomon says these words that began as foolish end in disaster. Words are foolish. A man said to his friend one time, Talk, 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 talk. That's all my wife ever does is talk, 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 talk. And the friend asked him, well, what does she talk about? He answered, I don't know. She doesn't ever say. He's listening to words, but he's not listening. The fool dominates the conversation and multiplies words. In fact, Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 11. The more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? Listen, I've said this many times. God has given us two ears and one mouth. We are to use one twice as much as the other. You'll never get in trouble for being a good listener and being guardful with your words and your mouth. But we will always get in trouble when we don't guard our words and our mouth. And so Solomon says this. He says, your words matter. Words are just are not empty things. 
Words have meaning. There is meaning to words. It's called vocabulary. It's called communication. Words have meaning. And words mean something. And so what Solomon says is in this rat race of life, be careful what you say and how you say it. Because you're going to get to that place where you're going to realize, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or things are going to have some destruction. Someone once said, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Better that people think we're foolish than we open our mouths and we're like, yeah, that guy really is a fool. (laughs) At first I just thought he was, but now I'm positive that he is. So we need to uh, watch our mouth. The next thing he tells us is this, work smarter, not harder. Man, this is why we're on the rat race. We're working and we're going to work hard. And so what Solomon says is, the toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. Talk about a rat race, right? Just going around in circles. How do I get to town? I don't know, but I'm running around. Woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry and money is the answer for everything. Solomon says, you know what? Laziness is going to show through the holes in your roof. The holes in your life where you're not disciplined and you're not doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. It's going to show I saw this quote. It says, you can't have a filet mignon lifestyle with hot dog work ethics. It's so true. We want the thing, but we don't want the exercise and the energy that needs to go into it. A fool gets confused is what Solomon is saying. You put the fool on an elevator and he won't know the way out. You put him in an airplane. He won't know how to get out. This person, we would say, is out to lunch. Here's what Solomon says. He says, work harder, uh, work smarter and not harder. Think about the stuff we do in this rat race, and there's just no productivity to it at all. We've seen the pictures of concentration camps in World War II, and what did people have to do? They had this pile of stones, and what did they do? They had to break them up, and where did they put them? They put them over here, and then what did they do the next day? They broke some more up, and they put them over here, and that's how life is sometimes. They're just going back and forth, and there's no productivity for the things that we're doing. But we're so proud of our busyness. We're so proud that we're doing something. But the question is, what is what I'm doing achieving me in my life? Is it just busyness? Is it just doing the thing so that I can, people can say, wow, you're so busy. Look how busy you are. You're in that rat race. So work, hard, work smarter and not harder. Uh, Will Smith, in an interview, gave his not-so-secret secret to success. Here's what Will Smith said. You've seen him in the movies. He said, I'm not afraid to die on the treadmill. I will not be outworked. You may be more talented than me, you may be smarter than me, and you may be better looking than me. But if we get on a treadmill together, you are going to get off first or I'm going to die. That's a work ethic. That's how the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star became one of Hollywood's most bankable actors. It wasn't on talent alone, it was on the treadmill. And sometimes in life, we have to just do the thing, right? We have to work smart, we have to do do the thing. Someone said this once, pray as if it depends on God and work if if it depends on you. If you're, it's your prayer ethic plus your work ethic. Remember, Solomon says this. He said this a few chapters ago. Don't be over-righteous, but don't be over-wicked. And so here's how we can be over-righteous. We don't want to do anything, and then we say, Oh, Lord, we want him to do it all. And God's like, Wait a minute. I've given you the feet. I've given you the hands. I've given you the brains. You do it. I'm not doing it for you. I've created you in my image, and there's some things that you need to do. And so we can be so over-righteous, and we don't want to do anything. We're just like, oh, the Lord's going to do it. 
And then we can go the other way, and we can be over wicked, and we just do everything, and we don't consult the Lord at all, and it's all our stuff. And that's what Solomon said a few chapters ago. And so we, what, pray as if it depends on God, but work as if it depends on us. Listen, foolishness has nothing to do with IQ. It has to do everything about stupidity. I see life, and I'm not doing it the way that pays off. And in verse 19, Solomon says, money is the answer for everything. You know, today, money is the answer for everything. People don't want to walk their dogs, so they pay somebody to walk their dogs. Why do you have a dog if you can't walk your dog? Brown Station Road, there's a little place over there. You can take the dog if you can't afford to walk your own dog. Solomon say, you're a fool. Why are you paying somebody? Well, I had to tell you why you're paying somebody, because I'm at work all day. I don't have time to spend with my dog. Exactly. Poor Fido's home alone all day. And then some stranger comes in and walks Fido, and you pay the stranger to walk Fido. And Solomon says, don't you see this a little foolish? Don't you, don't, like, isn't there something registering in your mind that you're running this rat race and you're supposed to have this job and you're supposed to have the dog and you're supposed to have the house, you're supposed to have all this stuff, and so you're working for all that, but you can't enjoy it. He says money is the answer for everything. The last thing that Solomon says is this. People will qu- quickly hear what you think. Look at verse 20. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts. Or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. You know that phrase a little bird told me? This is right where it comes from. The next time you hear somebody say that, say, hey, did you know that came from the Bible? What? Yeah, you're quoting the Bible. No, I'm an atheist. You're quoting the Bible. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20. Little bird told me. And so here's what he says. He says, if you think it's hard to deal with a person, wait until they find out what you think about them confidentiality is sometimes a matter of survival. I will say more often than not, it is survival. Because people will eventually find out what you think about them. You know why? Because we have loose lips. We just love to talk. And everybody that... Listen, if somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to tell you something, but I'm not going to tell anyone else, you can be sure you're about the third, fifth, or tenth person that they've told. Because they wouldn't be telling you in the first place. Right? I got something to tell you, but don't, but don't you dare tell anybody else. Yeah, but I'm sure you've told people before me, and you're going to tell people after me, so don't tell me at all. Because what happens is, Solomon says, in this rat race, what we tend to do in the rat race is we tend to get nervous, we tend to do all, and we tend to start using our mouth and running our mouth, and so that we get to this place, and people will quickly hear, they'll, they'll quickly hear what you think, because it comes out. And then what happens to the rat race? It gets more difficult. You know that boss. He's talking about the king. You revile the king, and you say something about the boss, and then it gets around the office, and the boss calls you in and says, hey, I heard you said this. Well, how did you hear that? Well, it's your loose lips, silly. It was a little bird that told me, and the bird is the secretary, right? I mean, it's whatever it is, and so be careful. People will quickly hear what you think, because we speak it. There's a story that comes out of Native American lore, A native brave came upon an eagle's egg, which has somehow fallen unbroken from an eagle's nest. Unable to find the nest, the brave put the egg in the nest of a prairie chicken, where it was hatched by the brooding mother hen. The fledgling eagle, with its proverbial strong eyes, saw the world for the first time. Looking at the other prairie chickens, he did what they did. He crawled and scratched on the earth, pecked here and there for stray grains and husks, now and then rising in a flutter just a few feet above the ground and then descending again. He accepted and imitated the daily routine of the earth-bound prairie chickens, and he spent most of his life this way. 
Then as the story continues, one day an eagle flew over the brood of prairie chicken, chickens. The now aging eagle, who still thought he was a prairie chicken, looked up in awed admiration as the great bird soared through the skies. What is that? He gasped in astonishment. One of the old prairie chickens replied, I've seen one before. That is the eagle, the proudest, strongest, and most magnificent of all the birds. But don't you ever dream that you could be like that. You're like the rest of us, and we are prairie chickens. So shackled by his belief, the eagle lived and died thinking he was a prairie chicken. You see, shackled by our belief, we live and die thinking we are rats. We're in this rat race, and we're just running. And what Solomon is telling us, I want you to lift your eyes. Here's some things while you're in this rat race, but I want you to lift your eyes because there's a different kind of race that you are a part of. And it is this race. It's the race of faith. This is the real race. You can either be a rat, and everybody that wins the rat race is a what? Is a rat. Or you can run this race of faith. And who wins the race of faith? The faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 on your notes. Verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Do you know what the end of the rat race is? It's a crown that will not last. The cheese will grow moldy, and it'll get gross, and it'll get disgusting. It will not last forever. And we spend our entire lives running for that piece of cheese. And Paul says there's a different race to run. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That's wisdom that Solomon was talking about in Ecclesiastes. Not to be foolish with our lives, but to live our lives by wisdom. And here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to make sure that we're in the right race. If you're running the rat race, you may end up with the cheese, but you're still a rat. But the prize of faith is what? It's an eternal crown. The rat race, do you know what what faithfulness is? Faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. That's what faithfulness is. Long obedience in the same direction. It's long, right? It's a, it's an, the, the race of faith is a marathon. It is not a sprint. It's, a, it's long obedience in the same direction. The direction is what? After Jesus. If you keep doing the right things, day in and day out, look out. Because somehow, someway, someday, God's going to show up and he's going to show off in your life. You keep doing the same thing that you know you need to be doing in your life to be faithful to the Lord. And one of these days, Solomon says what? Time and chance happens to us, but we have a God who doesn't work with time and chance. We have a God who is sovereign over all of creation. And so he will see. And somehow, someday, someway, he's going to show up and he's going to show off. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. He's getting to the end of this marathon. And the time for my departure is near. And look what he says. I have fought the what? The good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Aren't those great words that we can say in our lives as we're going, running this race of faith? When we get to the end of our lives, wouldn't we, like Paul, be able to say, I fought the good fight. 
I got out of the rat race. <laughs> I, I got out of this thing. And I'm fighting now the good fight. I'm doing all the things that Solomon's telling me to live with wisdom. Because you know what happens when you are racing the rat race and you start doing those nine things that Solomon just told us? You are going to be getting out of the rat race. It's going to put us into a different race, the race of faith. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Listen, you don't get credit for starting the race. You get credit for finishing it. And so it's this long hall of obedience in the same direction. What did he say? Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, much better than a piece of cheese, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to the long for his appearing. Do you know what, this, you know what happens when we're in, this, we're in this race of faith? It gives us reality of life. It gives us joy in life. It helps us to trust. And it gives us hope that we need to live. You don't really start every day over. What you do is you build on the day before. This isn't Groundhog Day where you wake up every day and do the same thing over. Every day we're building on the day before. This this race of faith is is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So let me ask you, are you a prairie chicken or an eagle? In Jesus, I am an eagle. In Jesus, I am an eagle. But the world, if I, if I look at what the world says, the world says, oh, you're just a prairie chicken. You're never going to fly. You're never going to do... No, I, I, my identity in Jesus is I am an eagle. When we stand before God, he won't ask us if we've been successful. He's going to ask us if we've, been, if we've been faithful. When you're faithful, listen, when you're faithful, you see, in the rat race, it won't matter 100 years from now. But when you're faithful, it will matter 100 years from now. Because you know where we're going to be in 100 years? All of us, every single person in this room, we're not going to be here on planet Earth. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you're going to be in the, pres- in the Lord's presence. So when we run the race of faith, it will matter 100 years from now. The rat race won't matter 100 years from now because all that stuff is going to be gone. But the race of faith says, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I, w- I have kept the faith. Maybe you came in here this morning feeling like a prairie chicken scratching, right? You're just scratching the earth and trying to get this stuff. And God wants to remind us, no, you're an eagle. If you're in Jesus, you have the ability to soar. We will mount up with what? Wings like prairie chickens. No, we will mount up with wings like eagles, right? We will. Paul wants to remind us it's the race of faith that matters. What race are you in? Are you tired? Maybe you're just, you're just, maybe you crawled in here this morning because this, this is just another part of the rat race. I mean, I got to get to church and I got to go here. I got to go here. I got to go here. But, but God wants to remind us we are in a different kind of race. Listen, don't let the world dictate which race you're going to run. You let God dictate what, which race you're going to run. The world would say, here's what success is. Success is power, prestige, status, income, square footage, all those things. But no, 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 that's not what God says at all. God says success is faithfulness. It's long obedience in the same direction. And I want you to be able to say, I've kept the faith. And the reward, listen, the rewards for the race of faith far outweigh this rat race we're in. It's the crown of righteousness. It's the, it's the, it's the reward that lasts forever. Would you please stand? And we're going to pray. Just have a time of commitment. A time just to say, Lord... I've been playing it safe. You've been calling me out. 
You've been calling me to do the thing. Remember, it's about the getting in. It's about doing what, it's about doing what God wants us to do. We let the results up to him. We let the results at the end. And so it's, the success is, remember, it's stepping out of the boat. Remember when Peter stepped out of the boat? He started to sink. We would say he was a failure. No, 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 no. He was a success because he got out of the boat. He could have gone, maybe, you know, Jesus wouldn't have done this, but maybe Jesus would have just let him go down. There he goes. He sank like a rock. And there he is. And Peter would still have been a success because he got out. And some of us are in the boat. We're just white knuckling it. No, 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 Lord. No, 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 no. And we're looking at life through pessimism and fatalism and just... But God says, I want you to get out. That's what success is. Success is, Lord, what are you calling me to do? How are you wanting me to live? That's the race of faith. And you step out of the boat. Let's pray. Father, we are so tired of running the rat race. It's the way the world has set up life. And we have bought into it. We are living a prairie chicken life. But God, we are meant to soar like eagles because we are in Jesus. And Father, success is being faithful. Success is stepping out of the boat. And even when we mess up, Jesus is there to pull us back in. And so, Father, over these next few moments, would you just challenge us? Sometimes all that we have seen is life as this one big rat race, and we've not ever seen it any other way. We thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. We thank you for the writings of Paul. We thank you for Jesus who calls us out. And that's where the adventure is. That's where the joy is. That's where the risk is that is not a stupid risk, but it's a faithful risk knowing that we are in the everlasting arms. So, Father, over these next few moments, call us out. Help us to go deeper. Father, help us to trust, to be faithful, to look at success from your standpoint. God, we want to soar like eagles. This is what we are in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a prayer need, slip to the back.